Did you hear this morning's parable for the first time? Or is it an old, familiar story? Perhaps so old and familiar that it actually sounds reasonable. But if we were hearing it for the first time, perhaps we could hear how offensive it is to our sense of justice and fairness. One of the big-name biblical scholars reminds us that parables are drawn from common life, but their exact meanings are left in sufficient doubt so as to tease the mind into active thought. Some parables have a surprise turn at the end, which not only teases the mind into serious thinking, but may actually shock or offend some listeners. And that's the kind of parable we had today. Some refer to it as the parable of the laborers in the vineyard, but we should probably call it the parable of the generous landowner. Like many of Jesus' parables, this one lulls us into thinking that we have a handle on what he's telling us, that we can somehow understand the reign of God. The landowner is anxious to harvest his crop and so goes to Home Depot in downtown Nazareth early in the morning, like they used to do in Campbell. He strikes a deal with some of the workers who agree to the usual daily wage for agricultural work. And the landowner returns to the parking lot throughout the day to recruit more workers. It's interesting to note that there was no bargaining with those workers. There's no hint that the later workers were somehow holding out. The ones that began uh, at five said that they were unemployed because no one had offered them a job. So far, all seems normal. And then comes the surprise the jolt, for at the end of the day, all receive the same wage. The grumbling on the full part of the full-day workers was natural, not fair. Can you hear your five-year-old? <laughs> and maybe your five-year-old that still lives inside, you know, it's hard to know. The answer to the landowner's question, are you jealous, because, are you envious because I am generous, is in all honesty, yes, I am. Yet no one has been denied, no one was cheated, no one was given less than what was agreed upon. The offense lies only in the landowner's generosity. The grace of God, that's such a lovely phrase. And yet we are sometimes offended, not necessarily in the treatment that we receive, but the observation that others are getting more than they actually deserve. So often forgiveness and generosity does not seem fair. God sends rain on the just and the unjust, or in our case, maybe it's drought on the just and the unjust, on the good and the bad, and that offends some of us. The generosity of God quite often cuts across our calculations of who deserves what. And for all our talk of grace and use of the word, we still have trouble with it. I admit that whenever I hear this parable, I identify with the guys who are out there working all day. I want things to be fair. I want to know that everybody's following the rules and getting just what they should. But to hear what Jesus is trying to tell me, 
I need to become somebody else in the story. I need to become one of those guys hired at 3 o'clock or 5 o'clock. I need to remember what it must feel like to stand in the parking lot of a big box store all day watching others drive off and realizing that I wasn't going to work today, that I wasn't going to be able to put dinner on the table for my family tonight. Then the landowner's actions change everything. I get more than I could ever have reasonably expected or deserved. A full day's wages. I am the beneficiary of grace and generosity, and life is good. So what's Jesus trying to tell us? I think he wants us to have grateful hearts, to stop worrying quite so much about justice and think a little more about mercy. But I think this is also a stewardship parable. And you're saying, oh, is it that time again? <laughs> it's always that kind. The landowner's generosity allows him to share what he has and to participate even in a limited way in the reign of God and in making that reign present right now. And when we have generous hearts, we too share in proclaiming the reign of God. So do you know the movie Babette's Feast? It's one of my favorites. It portrays a small religious group that has become fractious even while revering the memory of its long-dead founder. Their traditions and rituals had become ends in themselves, empty of the power they once conveyed. And then into their midst comes Babette. The members of the sect know her as a political refugee, but unknown to them, she often also happens to be a great French cook and artiste. And so Babette is hired as a housemaid and cook and instructed to prepare, prepare the usual fare, boiled fish and tea. And I think bread soup was a little other addition. After some years, Babette comes into a sum of money from the French lottery and asks to be allowed to prepare a French dinner for the leaders of the community. They reluctantly agree, unsure of what all this means. And as the day of the feast approaches, they begin to suspect that they had placed themselves in the hands of some sort of witch who would weave a spell. So they agreed among themselves that they would eat the dinner, but they would not enjoy it. <laughs> well, of course, Babette did weave a spell, and the feast, a far cry from boiled fish and tea, became a religious experience, an experience of grace, which prompted transformation and renewal and reconciliation among the members of the community. At Babette's feast, they not only had a wonderful, enjoyable dinner, they experienced their own need for God's grace and a power not their own. So this week, I invite you to join me in trying to be Babette or the generous landowner, if only for a moment or two. Keep your eyes open for the reign of God. Be careful not to blink, for you might miss it. 
remember the generosity of our gracious God and cultivate a generous and grace-filled disposition. If you cultivate a generous heart, everything else follows. And in all things give thanks for our extravagant, exuberant, excessive God of grace and love. Amen. Amen.